1: the false hog with podcast this is episode number 198 of Essential india's favorite podcast jeremiah moral today joined by sit-in co-host mike Broyles, special guest kyle robbins producer zach burcham and my forever co-host dakota davis
2: Today's episode features the four of us, and we're going to be talking to you, first of all, about uh, some politics, which is going to be our new Stimmy bill. The Biden Bucks are going to be coming into your bank account here shortly. Then we're going to be talking to Kyle Robbins about uh, racing, how he got started in racing in the city of Newcastle and uh, the USAC Silver Crown Series and... Uh, did I pronounce that wrong? That, I'm okay, just I'll reading be, off the list that Jeremiah gave me. That's
3: funnier than Vaxxin. Yeah.
2: Than what you, they call USAC. USAC? Yeah. Oh, USAC. The United States. Obviously. I said USAC. USAC. Yes. That's still an I've abbreviation. Never
3: heard it called that.
4: Listen, I've heard a few people call it. That.
2: <laughs> if Jeremiah okay. didn't create the show notes today, I was going to be sending him a text, being like, "You've got to cover this because I don't know what half the words that you've put in our planning <laughs> chat even mean." Uh. We're going to be talking to Kyle about uh, we all have our own. Who's on buddy. his team, first of all, and just basically all things racing. It's kind of cool to have someone who lives in Newcastle who's doing uh, racing, and we're going to talk about him, pick his brain about uh, what all of that is like. You summed it up perfectly,
1: man. I'm very excited.
2: This is going to go well. this This
1: show is about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Sometimes we'll provoke you. Other times we'll make you laugh. But hopefully, you'll always learn something new, like how to pronounce "usac."
2: Well, it is. I mean, it's a whatever.
1: Honestly, there are people that hate usac completely. That's you're fine. I guess I'll figure out why
2: in a minute. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and my father-in-law is off camera. Just he'll be talking throughout the evening, making us laugh. Um, all right, Dakota. Who we got to think? What are we doing?
2: Patreon.com slash boss hog of liberty. That's where you can go to support the show on a monthly level every month. It just comes out of your account. You don't even have to do anything. It's very automatic. It's great and we appreciate it. Those are the folks in that club that keep the bills paid. They keep Mike Royals paid, uh, every month. Mike
1: is the landlord. He doesn't, he's not, this isn't mafia deal where he just takes. He's, that's the,
2: (laughs) yeah. Mike is, Mike is our, our generous landlord, uh, over here at the boss hog liberty studios. And we also keep the electric bill paid for that. And uh, for all those folks, we are very, very grateful. The plans start at $5 a month, and then they go up by select tiers. If you sign up at any level, then you get access to the show notes ahead of time. you So you can follow along during the show. You also get access to a special 20-minute bonus episode that is also live-streamed into a super-secret Facebook group. And uh, occasionally, we'll do some drops where we'll give you like Coupon codes for the difference for the T chip stores that we have. Um, we'll, we've sent stickers out in the past and postcards with pictures of our favorite guests. Maybe Kyle will make the next one. Who knows? Just you know, no pressure. But we'll see how you do. <laughs> okay. And we also have, uh, if you sign up at fifty dollars or more a month, a shout out at the front of every episode. Those folks are Mr. Chris Lamb, Christie Avery from all the way in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and then Mr. Jonathan Phillips, who is our favorite car dealer in the Midwest. I'm just going to go ahead and say saying the, mid- the Midwest now. Yeah. Andy, I don't Mark, know. Bueller. I might go to like Hawaii one day and be like, ooh, Jonathan's got some stiff competition. In North America, in continental North America. <laughs> <laughs> we also have T-Chip stores. That's where you can go and get your Boss Hoggle Liberty merchandise. T-Chip.com slash B-H-O-L-1, 3, 4, or B-H-O-L mug. Uh, B-H-O-L mug is a color changing mug. So if you pour your coffee into it, first of all, it just looks like, uh, I think just black and then it becomes white and it reveals the beautiful boss hog of liberty mo- logo. And then we, uh, the one, two, three or four, one, two and three are all of our apparel lines, which is, uh, uh t-shirts, long sleeve tees, hoodies, those sorts of things. And BHOL four is your masks because we're not in Texas <laughs> and we still have to wear masks still mask
1: up Hoosiers and whatnot. Uh, one year anniversary, by the way. Congratulations, everybody. You made it. If you're if you're listening now, you've survived a year of uh, uh, hunker down Hoosiers and 15 days to uh, <laughs> flatten the curve and all, all that fun stuff. All right. Uh, good news, Dakota. The president... We, we talked about the show notes. I had three versions of the show notes this afternoon. You were joking about having to do them, yourself, how I was going to have to do them, and I, I knew that. So I, I went ahead and, and whipped them together. And then Jam I submitted them and, and Kyle said, well, we need to change a couple things on the itinerary, which is uh, on the order of, opera- of what had happened, which is fine. Perfect. Great. And then I I had originally said that President Biden was going to sign the stimulus bill tomorrow because as of noon today, that was the plan. that's what they told us. And then all of a sudden, about three o'clock this afternoon, they signed it into law and uh, and, and we're off to the races. That's right. So uh, the president had the big signing today. Uh, we've been tracking this and this is going to be mostly a racing episode. We'll, we'll cover this just cause we've, this is the story we've been following ad nauseum for months. Uh, round three stimulus is happening. Uh, $1,400 a person, as we've discussed, uh, $300 per week, unemployment, additional money out there. It was 400. Now that's dropped down to, to 300. Uh, but still significant, significant income coming in there for folks that may or may not have been able to work in the last year. Uh, and then the big dinger, uh, per child for all y'all that have kids right now uh man $3000 a year per kid and it's going to be paid out monthly so you're just going to start getting checks i guess is the way this is going to go down or auto direct deposited
3: it's a little deceptive though i think
1: cuz you were getting like 2000 and now it's going
3: up so, to 3 so it's 3 or 3600 so if your kids under 6 years old it's 300 a month and then it's 250 nice. a month if they're over if they're 6 or over but it that is part of that is your tax credit. So I think, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong.
1: When you file your taxes, you file your you're taxes, not going to get
3: the, You're going to be four thousand dollars down on your tax refund and come. If you have two kids, come next year, yeah, or two thousand dollars per kid. Now I'm not sure they're going to do that when it comes to tax time. I guess next year they'll say, well, we're not going to give it to you yet because they're not going to start it till July. So in theory, it would take till July of next year to get that paid out, but. Yeah. Can you decline it so that you don't have to worry about paying that next year? Um, I don't know, but I kind of, I would almost, or I would say, give me the difference and don't touch my refund.
1: What I want to know is, is are there, last week Jesse was talking about, Jesse Riddle was on, he was talking about this unbanked group of people. So now what the heck's going to happen? If they're going to auto deposit it, but they don't normally auto deposit the money, are all these folks going to rush out and get Get checking accounts now, or are they going to get government checks? Where they're going to go sign the back of it and just have yeah, mad money running around? There's going to be a whole other side of side of issues.
2: Well, you know, it's about time that Jackson started pulling
3: his weight
5: the house.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can imagine for some people though, it's like it's got to be kind of a game changer to have that. Oh yeah, you know, and it's not, I don't think it's enough that. People are afraid. Especially
2: if you're living in California and New York City where the daycares and things are shut down and you rely on that daycare to get your job. Uh, now, all of a sudden, you can afford to send your kid to daycare and
3: go to work. I don't think it's enough for people. Or pay someone to come and watch your kid. Some people are accusing, saying that people aren't going to work because of it, but I don't think it's enough to keep somebody from working unless you're, I guess you've got a bunch of kids, but yeah. you've got your own struggles then.
2: If you've got like eight kids, you can be like... <laughs> I'm taking a six months recess. <laughs> the the real question is going to be how long
1: does this last? Because you're you're at some point going to have taught people the behavior to expect the, this extra money to come in and how is it going to change people? It's it's almost turning into the UBI that we talked about, Dakota, back in a year and a half ago when Andrew Yang was running for president and everybody's gonna get a thousand dollars a month You a know, right. universal basis. I think income. it's a good way. It's like it, it, that's everybody, that's everybody. where we're at, right? It's the third round of stimulus. You've got if you've got a family of four i Zach and I were joking around earlier today that there needs to be a bunch of fifty six hundred dollar campers being sold fifty six
3: hundred dollars down two fifty a month or five hundred <laughs> a month if it's got bunks if you're If yeah. you're selling anything on marketplace yeah. Yeah.
1: find find that five thousand dollar price tag because everybody's getting ready to have it but you you got this you you're getting ready to set people up with ten thousand dollars a year in extra income that they didn't have or they're not accustomed to and now if you don't keep giving this every year two years down the line, three years down the line. You're setting up a terrible behavior or
3: a, a habit that's going to be devastating as a family. I think it's just for a year, at this point. For now, and then they said, yeah. But the, the interesting thing that they said was, when it'll come up for renewal, it'll be a campaign thing for the midterms, right? And so then they'll force people to vote, to say, yeah, we, we're going to take that from you. So that'll be interesting.
1: <laughs> my father-in-law's offering to take my wife back for a year. She doesn't come with that. It, it's, that, that most of that, 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 most of that is expired. Kevin, she's like 30 now and it doesn't, <laughs> you ready to adopt some kids, Mike?
6: No, no I don't want to go back. That way. I don't but, know. You know, it's just like the EDC was talking this morning. They had a uh, people from Grady on and, uh, they're forty people short of what they need right now. They're two hundred and twenty. They want to expand. You can't find any people to want to work. So, and you know, why, every, why do you
1: want to go s- work hard and smell bad after when somebody's going to send you seven hundred dollars yeah. a week in unemployment? Exactly. Yep,
6: that's my feeling. That's the that, that's that's the, the tough conversation have kid, to have. I've had a few discussions know. on Facebook. that
4: <laughs> Haven't gone well. Uh, yeah. y- you start to be unpopular. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we have the same problem at the machine shop. You can't young know, kids it don't seem like they want to work anymore. Yep. those yep. are good paying jobs.
6: I mean, can't hire
4: you'll get them for six months and then they'll be like, "Oh, I found someplace else," and out the door. Yeah.
1: Well, we'll see, but enjoy it. Check your uh, check your bank account. the uh, The link that we provided uh, in the show notes says that the president signed it today. And if you got the electronic direct deposit last time and you're eligible. Uh, potentially by this weekend, first stuff, maybe in there, maybe Saturday. So check, uh, check that and then go buy something on Craigslist. I think, uh, I think Zach's got some wheels to sell or something. I don't know. Okay. <laughs>
5: I've got
1: some, I you remember. Mike's been peddling all kinds of IU. Are <laughs> did you finally give be? up? They finished like 13th in the, in the big 10 and yeah. you're just, now you're, by, you're wearing black tonight. So obviously you've made a big change in your no, life. No,
6: Actually, they've been in my uh, stepfather's basement for about 10 years. And, uh, Needing to clean things out, so.
1: I got you. Well, I would start the asking price somewhere around two hundred fifty dollars, and <laughs> fifty six
6: takes it all. Fifty six hundred takes it all.
1: Fifty six hundred gets the lot. Might be able to get some signatures on there too. All right, let's talk some racing. That's enough politics. I'm uncomfortable by the whole thing. Yeah. All right, Kyle Robbins is here. Kyle, you're from Newcastle, is that right? Yes, sir. I'm graduated born and from the Newcastle Walter P. Chrysler High School. Brought to you by Menards. Or what's it was the...
4: still Chrysler High School when I graduated. All right, so we've dated him.
1: That changed. six. Class of 2006. All right, I would have been class of 2001 at Blue River, but I dropped out after the sixth grade. So I'm, um, yeah. That's some, somewhere in there, and then Dakota's like homeschooled. Much, yeah, yeah, homeschooled after that. Dakota's much more re- a much more recent model. Yep. All right. So,
4: did you? Kyle's eight years older than me. Did you guys start? Uh, Just to did Did you grow up racing, Kyle? Is it a family um, family deal. So yeah. So if you go back to the beginning, my dad's dad, Sonny, which he's he's been in Newcastle forever too. Worked at Gooden Brothers for like fifty five years or something like that.
1: At the time, the world's, or the, the Indiana's first auto dealer or lo- longest operating auto yeah. dealer.
4: And he was a service manager down there forever, but he, so he raced outboards, which are small boats and stuff like that. So that was on my dad's side, My mom's side, he's also named Sonny. He uh, was a drag racer. So this was kind of before my time. And then my dad, uh, growing up, he raced AMA flat track professionally. So it was kind of probably inevitable that I was going to get bit by the bug. All right.
1: So what did they put you in first? What did you,
4: so, you start with? Uh, when it kind of all started happening, I didn't get started till I was like 8 or 9, and Mom wanted nothing to do with the motorcycle stuff. And the reason my daddy got out of it was because of the guys that were kind of running the whole deal, he wasn't happy with it anymore. So they were still running AMA, so we didn't want to go back that route. So we started in quarter midgets over at uh, – there's actually a quarter midget track off turn what, 2. What is
2: a quarter midget?
4: So – Pretty much what I run is like quarter scale size of it. They run like single cylinder Honda motors and Briggs and Stratton motors. This is the
1: kind of stuff you need to get your son in in about three years. Yeah. Very
6: young.
4: Yeah, they start them at five, but I was kind of glad I started at nine because I had a lot better understanding of how things worked. And, you know, when they were explaining stuff to me about, you know, hey, you did this wrong, so, hey, you did that wrong. So, you what had is the, quarter the
1: size? At the state fairgrounds, the quarter meter track there?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the size difference of a quarter midget versus a uh, go kart?
4: Probably about the same. It just got a roll cage over it. Oh, okay. safer. Yeah, Dakota. yeah. All right. <laughs> and they only go in ovals. They don't do any road courses. Gotcha. Quarter
1: midgets. I was thinking about this. Just and, and we're going to get into the the, uh, the the bigger USAC stuff now. Mm-hmm. But well, you guys are incredibly versatile in the series you're in now. What if you guys did run some road courses?
4: What kind of a, a well? I know terror so terror
1: match with that. Back
4: be? in 2006, I don't know if you remember when they shook up the Silver Crown series and they. Introduced that gold crown car that was supposed to be where they ran it on, you know, like Kansas and Darlington and Homestead. They, uh, I saw a video from a couple of years ago. They actually ran one of those cars at a road course. I want to say it was Aaron Pierce that drove it. Really? Mm-hmm. But I don't, it wasn't an actual race. They just took yeah. it out someplace just, and just took played it out around for, it for a shakedown. Yeah. Now those are hundred thousand dollar paperweights. So,
1: so you started racing quarter midgets, and then at some point you got out of the car and started working on some other teams, or did you? Is this all happening in parallel? So no.
4: So let's say started when I was eight or nine, ran quarter midgets, and ran. You can run those to your sixteen, and we ran those till I was sixteen. Then so you're running
1: against five year olds.
4: No, 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 no. Yeah. No, kind of the classes the I was, fights, I was, I was, was running against. Because the fights aren't going to be very fair. No, and there's like there's like junior and senior classes where I think it was like nine or ten was the cutoff between junior and senior. And then, uh, so I was running against 12, 13-year-olds, all that. But I had the problem, was I was always like right on the cusp of 100 pounds, and there was like heavy classes and non-heavy classes. Well, you had to be above 100 pounds to run the heavy classes. Well, when I couldn't ever break that barrier, it seemed like, so I was always like, 20, 30 pounds heavier than all these kids that were two or three years younger than me. So, yeah, it's kind of like, I think it was finally about like seventh grade. I finally got you needed there. more Burger King. I know. Well, yeah, <laughs> trust me. I was trying. <laughs> <laughs> is the race car
1: driver trying to make weight the other way? Yes.
4: But no, so we ran those till I was 16. And then um, there's kind of a couple of different options we could have gone. There's, you know, there's a little bit of mini sprint racing, which is, Kind of a little bit bigger than a quarter midget, and then they run 600cc motorcycle motors in them. And then the USAC at the time was coming out with the series they called the Ford Focus series, which was taking a pretty much Ford Focus engine out of a Ford Focus car, sealed. And there was a guy out in California, I think, that was kind of hopping them up, putting a different injection on them, different ignition, in you could buy the spec motor and then you'd run it in a full-size midget chassis. So it was kind of given an outlet for the national guys to get rid of their used stuff and uh, like just another stepping stone to get into USAC. I know Rex
1: Norris, the third was running the same, mm-hmm. the same, same and thing. And that was the same the time 2000s. when I was running, yeah. when he was running. That's a yeah. pretty
2: big indifference of Ford focus engine versus a 600 CC motorcycle engine.
4: Yeah. And I mean the, I mean the, 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 the micro stuff now is pretty wild. they, I mean, they're almost spending as much money as you do if you go sprint car racing. So, so
1: just a ballpark. If you're if we're looking and starting Dakota's fundraising for mm-hmm. for baby Jackson Davis's yeah. uh, quarter midget career,
5: mm-hmm.
1: what's he need to budget for the first I year? Mean, for five year old, I
4: bet you could get into a quarter midget for twenty five hundred to buy the. You know, quarter yeah, midget. and you're not going to be spending. You're not going to be throwing tires on it all the time and stuff like that. And the motors are, I don't know what a single cylinder Honda is, but now, but I know we we ran ours for six years and never rebuilt it. So they're, they're, I mean, as long as you take care of them, they're so he could, he could
1: be the team Pensky, team Hendrick for like five grand.
4: I mean, if you wanted to, but yeah. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> there, there's guys out there that they they go all tie, all carbon quarter midgets, and kind of go full over the top with it's it. Like any other sport, yeah. There's sport and yeah, there's there's, there's the, always the extremes of everything. Yeah.
2: Some guy, some dad out there with his kid, and the dad's got this tricked-out motorcycle
4: that's, like, signed by Kid Rock and stuff. But the Focus Series was really, kind of get back on that, it was really a good thing. because So then they started running the speed drum on Wednesday nights. So we could run there on Wednesday nights, and then there was a Midwestern series where they'd run on the weekends. So between, you know, and I was still in high school at that point, I think it was a junior or senior we could set the car up to run the speed drone, and then if there was a dirt race or someplace else on the pavement or pavement for the Midwest series on the weekends, we'd switch over and go run that. So you're getting the experience in yeah, this car. Yeah, all that, the different size tracks and all over the place. I mean, we ran up in Angel Park, Wisconsin. We were in over in Ohio. As a lot. teenager. Yeah, as a teenager. And I mean, still trying
1: to get back to school for, for the yeah, next morning.
4: Yeah, so the funny thing about running up in Angel Park, they actually run on Sundays. So quite a few times we ran up there. We would leave Sunday morning, like about 4 or 5 o'clock, Drive up there and race. Drive home. Take a shower. Dad, would go to work. I would go to school.
6: <laughs> and Kyle probably had the easy part. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably
4: Kirk, had, yeah. He'd law probably law drive law most, law of, law most law. of it at that point. So, <laughs> but uh, but it, like I said, it was a really good series there for a while, and then it kind of got out a little out of hand. People started building like pavement only cars and stuff like that, and like anything ninety two. One, race cars. Well, yeah, well like that, and then once uh, once the money got involved, in it, it kind of ruined it. So.
1: So you 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 are getting out of the Ford Focus Series and you get hooked up with a guy named Brian Clawson?
4: Um, actually, we get started in sprint cars. So okay. we get out of the Focus Series and that was like, we ran this Focus Series 2004-2005. And then we were really in kind of a dilemma because really, we ran a lot of pavement right then with the midgets and stuff. And we were tossing around whether we were going to go you know, pavement ridge racing, but like then you look around Indiana that's just a hotbed of non wing sprint car dirt sprint cars. So we kinda had our eyes set on we are gonna buy a pavement midget and do you know all the pavement stuff around here, big IRP races and stuff like that. And then I went out and did uh, a sprint car school in California in uh from Corey Kruzman, who's a multi time Indiana Sprint Week champion and. Uh, we were talking to him after we got done running that day, and you know we we're like, "Hey, you know, we were thinking about this plan or this plan." He's like, "You know, if you live in Indiana, you'd be stupid not to run dirt sprint cars, just because the amount of time and track time you can run. Because back then, you could run three nights a week."
2: What's the difference between a sprint car and a dirt sprint car?
4: So, I mean, they're the same thing, pretty much. I mean, mostly all the sprint cars now. There's, I mean, like pavement sprint cars, at Anderson for the Low Five Hundred. They're the same thing, cars are a little different, but then they run the same engines and all the running gears pretty much the same.
2: Okay. You just putting in your tires on?
4: Um, yeah, well like so pavement you run slicks all the time and dirt mm-hmm. tires are obviously treaded and stuff like that. But uh but around, I, around, like around here, most like we all run four ten cubic inch motors in the in the sprint cars. Does
2: does rain shut down a a dirt race like it will a pavement race? Depends on what promoter you're talking to.
4: <laughs> how much money they want to make. Uh, I think a couple of years ago, Gas City, I mean, it probably seemed like it rained almost two inches in like an hour, and he's like, nope, we're still going. So it was like we got done like at 2 in the morning.
2: That seems like it be pre- pretty hazardous to the race. Well, no,
4: I mean, it was, they finally got it worked in. as like more like, you know, they take the skid out there and blade it and try and turn it up and then end up packing it for an hour and stuff like that. But, I mean, there's... Some guys like, you know, it rains half an inch, they'll pull the plug, but it just depends on the type of show and how bad they want what to What do you in. prefer? Uh, Dry. Not rain.
5: Uh,
2: <laughs> no, I mean like I do mean, you just, do you prefer someone to cancel or do you prefer uh, to I mean just if you're already
4: there, you might as well be racing, you know? Okay. So
3: I went I was at Eldora the first time I had a camper. It was in two thousand six and they raced twenty four hours till six thirty in the morning. Uh, yeah. It just, and like, I was so thankful I had a camper cause we it just rain and then go back and rain and you go back and yeah, they, I think it, somebody has a sign. If you go there for four, it was four count weekend and somebody has a sign up that says I was there and then like last green flag dropped like 623 AM on Sunday and it's cause they had somewhere to be the next day so they couldn't hang around. So run them all night. Yeah.
4: I think the silver ground feature actually the victory lane photo, you can kind of see the sun <laughs> <Yeah>. coming up <laughs> <Yeah>. in the <laughs> background insanity mm-hmm. so but yeah the we got into sprint cars and then um no six kind of did it on our own for a couple years and like like i said my dad's all his background was in motorcycles so everything in four wheels we were learning from somebody else on the fly just kind of trying to pick up information where we got it and the sprint car deal in indiana is so cutthroat i mean back then a lot of the guys that were kind of getting out of it and now they were you know in their mid-30s and in their prime kicking everybody's ass so and like you go to a local show there'd be 35 40 cars on a given night and you're only starting 20 so you're you're sending 20 guys home every night they're not even getting any you're just getting heat heat race and B main laps so we did that from kind of 07 and 08 on my own and uh kind of just felt like man i just need to get with somebody that you know kind of gets me on the right path and just kind of Get learn,
1: learn the industry a little bit. Well,
4: yeah, that, and just get information from one person, trying to take it from a bunch of people. So then I had, uh, I had reached out to Tim Clawson and we'd, uh, had some discussions and then we ended up actually taking our, our Sprint car program over there in house in Brian's shop. in 9
2: okay. Yes. Who is Brian Clawson?
4: So Brian is, uh, he was an amazing talent. He's, uh, he was originally from California, moved out here and then, uh, amazing open wheel usac star got a start in, i think three times in 8500 yeah he ran 38500s yeah. and uh, one time was a development driver for ganassi and then and down south in nascar but then that was kind of when the economy went to crap there around 2000. 2009 yeah. 2008 so but uh yeah he was he's was a really good friend i was able to live with him for two years and then he uh tragically lost his life there and i think in
1: 2003 or four three or four years yeah. somewhere in that range uh, and then there's been a legacy of organ donation and other other things that his family and that there's a driven to save lives campaign that his that that group has continued on, mm-hmm. um, encur- encouraging
2: that. So how do you get signed on to a team? Like what do they are they just impressed with your well, record? No,
4: they... it was more or less it was kind of like a almost like a like we were wanting to learn off of them. So like. We we worked out a deal where I could, you know, bring my car into their shop, and it was still my cars and our motors and stuff like that. I was just almost kind of under their umbrella to learn off their information and, you know, help them help me further my career at
2: that gotcha. point.
1: So you got to spend a couple of uh, – three years that with yeah,
4: that group. Yeah, three, three, four years. And like I said, we started off, we were running, running our own stuff. And actually, 2009, when I got my first win, it's a pretty cool story, so – me but uh we were we ran i don't know 20 30 races probably before sprint week and with that time we only had one car and one motor and we kind of timed out we were going to get our, our one motor refreshing before sprint week so we took it out a couple weeks before and we were kind of hanging around the shop and uh we came it was like the week before Sprint week was supposed to start we came back from lunch one day and brian had a couple engines for his team at that time and we came back from lunch and goes over and rolls this engine over in front of my car. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, oh, he said we're going racing Gas City Friday. I'm like, in my car? He's like, yeah, put it in. So we ended up uh, spending the rest of the week putting that engine in my car. and then uh, You were just going to be down waiting. Yeah, on well, yeah, we, were, we weren't going to go back to the next week when Indiana Sprint Week started. So we, we spent the rest of that week putting into in my car, and then uh, we ended up going up to Gas City on Friday with pretty much a, a standard Sprint Week crowd. There was... I want to say there was at least thirty-five, forty cars, and uh, won the heat. Started up front, and uh, I think I took the lead on lap like ten or twelve, and never looked back. And that's how I got my first sprint car win. That's awesome. Yeah, is it uh, it's pretty cool. I got it, there's a picture in my dad's office of Brian, and all of us on on the front stretch in Victory Lane. It was uh, I think he was almost more happier for me at that point than I was.
3: That's very cool. Describe to Dakota what Sprint Week is.
4: So, Sprint Week is in Indiana, so there's like, right now if I list off, there's a track in Gas City, Kokomo, uh, Putnamville, Bloomington, Perrigan, Evansville, and Terre Haute. So, in a span, in the latter part of July, in a span of like 10 days, you run all those tracks. Just a traveling circus. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, like the first weekend, like the way they have it broke up now is like, you run Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It usually goes like Gas City, Kokomo, Lawrenceburg. And you'll have Monday, Tuesday off, and then you're on Terre Haute, Putnamville, Bloomington, Hobstop. and just boom, 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 boom.
1: So eastern Indiana, then Western Indiana. How beat are you at the end of that week?
4: Uh <laughs> not too bad. I mean you're you're wore out. You, you know, you try to I mean, at that point in July, you're if you're running sprint Cards full time, you're conditioned <laughs> to that point. You're usually running two, three nights a week already anyways. Oh okay. So it's uh, I mean, the heat sucks. You know, Indiana July is probably not the most funnest place to be. But we're we're in a fire suit. (laughs) Yeah, fire suit, sweating your butt off. But uh, they don't have AC
2: in those cars. No, not. (laughs) (laughs) No no air
4: control. But they don't even
1: have a starter. They have to get push started.
4: The Silver Crown cars do. Well, but that's later in the show. But but yeah, so uh, spring week's pretty grueling. Your, your sprint car at the t- at yeah,
1: you're you yeah. bump track bump starter right yeah mm-hmm. yeah whatever.
4: yeah drive shaft runs right between your legs. You meet people from all over the country. I mean spectators. Yeah, they're and that's so, like I said, it's like a traveling circus. There's multi-state. I mean people with campers and fifth wheels that you know as soon as you're done loading up and going on, they're loading up and going the next one with you.
3: My wife's grandfather that was his favorite week of the year, and he got a truck camper, and he just he was gone for the week, and that was where he was at. Just followed yeah. it wherever he went.
6: Then Kyle was talking about the. The Brian coming from California. I mean, it's amazing how many sprint car drivers are from out of the state that come because so many tracks here in the state.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a kid that's running the full USAC deal this year, just moved out here from California just because the opportunity to race more is so much more than out there, especially now in the pandemic. Like they didn't get a race at all last year.
1: So the, in the sprint car world, there's basically three major regions, I would say, right? You've got the California folks, mm-hmm. you've got the Indiana Midwestern group, and then you've got the Northeast, the, the New York. The yeah, Los like Diego. so
4: like I'd probably say, Indiana is definitely the hotbed for non-wing. And then Southern California, there's a little bit. Northern California has some non-wing stuff. Northern California has a lot of wing stuff. Uh, Iowa and Nebraska has got some, well, actually Knoxville has got a big presence out there. Absolutely. And then uh, probably the, the biggest showing besides the outlaws, it's Pennsylvania. And like those people just eat sprint car racing up out there.
1: All right. So you, you go from the the Clawson group and then you, you got connected with Damian Gardner.
4: So, yeah. So I was with uh, I was with Clawson through, I think it was 2011. And it was kind of just, and we had had a great group of guys. Like I said, we ended up winning two midget championships with Brian and the other guys we were with. And it was kind of just a point I was just ready to kind of do something a little different and kind of be on my own. And I was actually going to go do the world outlaw tour with uh, a guy named bill rose and um kind of did that for a month or two and just really wasn't too sure about the deal and then uh ended up one of the guys on damien's team had left and they uh they needed another guy so kind of just got in touch with him and ended up being able to run the whole uh worked the whole usac tour with him that year and learned a lot and there's a lot of people i don't know if you know who damien is he's he's from california northern california or whatever moved out here and uh, he's he's pretty fiery guy, and just got a, a passion to win more than anybody I'd ever worked with. And uh, a lot of people, I mean, he went through a lot of crew guys just because people didn't you know think they could really work with him. But uh, he was probably one of the guys that taught me the most as far as my time working and stuff.
1: So you're you're preparing the cars as well as running.
4: Yeah, I was mainly my job with him was like to deal with all the tires, you know, groove them. Uh, you know, when I get to the racetrack, set the bleeders, all that type of stuff, and then uh, during the week, uh, the other guy that helped us, he kind of did the car stuff, and uh, Damien was real into trying stuff and kind of trying to be, you know, innovator. And I was the only guy that knew how to weld and kind of fabricate, so I got to do a lot more of that and kind of tried my hand at some of that stuff. So that was pretty cool. So you,
1: describe grooving tires. You're you're taking a factory set of tires and you're modifying. Them.
4: Well, I mean, they come. So Hoosier comes with they'll have like a standard block pattern, but then depending on the style of track you're running, you're going to want to groove them, you know, either, you know, to get heat out of them or to create heat in the tire or grip or either way. So you kind of, you kind of, I always had a notebook of kind of how I grooved them. And, and we even got to a point where on the half mile tires, I made a little jig because we were having such a bad problem with blistering. we actually drilled like eighth inch deep holes in all the blocks. And it took about like three and a half hours to do one tire. <laughs> It worked, but it wasn't fun. (laughs) That's a lot of customization. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's all about trial and error. You just kind of, you tried something here or there. If it worked, it didn't. If it, you know, if it did, try and keep doing or add to it. Racing
1: at that level, you're working off a notebook. You don't have an engineer telling you to do this or that. No, it's all. You're figuring it out, a gut feel.
4: Yeah, well, that and just racing a lot. I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's like, it's why it's kind of harder for me to step back into the sprint car game now because, you know, last year, I think I ran two sprint car races where, most of the guys I'm trying to run with ran, you know, 70 or 80, you know, it's just, once you get in that mode of racing a lot more, everything happens a lot slower the more you race. And it's so competitive.
1: It's so competitive. You're not sharing a lot of information. You might be looking over somebody's car and seeing what they're doing, but they're not going to volunteer information.
4: Yeah, no, I mean, you guys, we all kind of talk amongst ourselves, but you know, they're not going to go over and tell you exactly what your shock numbers are or what bars they got in the back and stuff like that. So
1: Alright, so then you spend your time with Gardner and then you end up with Bob East, who so, I know is the chassis builder.
4: So, yes, so Bob, and actually how I met Bob was Bob was Damien's crew chief. So I got, I actually kind of had another year under my belt with him before I started working with him, and the bad part about Damien's deal was like, so he was sponsored by an electrical company out of New York and this guy is like a long time Sprint Car fan. He was an older guy and uh, he actually, he I think he sponsored a couple IndyCards, Pace Electronics okay, back in the day, but um Anyways, his name, I think his name is Pat Kehoe, but in August, late August of that year, he passed away. Well, um, at that point, like two weeks after he passed away, Damien got a, a letter from his uh, his wife's lawyer saying, everything's cut off. Money's, money's not gone coming yet. anymore. Yep. Your your next couple sponsorship payments are gone. Because my check, actually, I was considered an employee of Pace, so that's where my paycheck came from. So that went away, and so like we kind of had to like scrape and luckily he was very smart about with how he spent stuff. Cause Pat would actually supposedly gave him bonuses for staying under budget. And he was just a very smart and methodical how he ran his race team. So luckily we were able to finish out the year and stuff like that. And then at the time, Bob still had had his midgets in his pavement sprint car and he needed somebody to come work on them. So kind of just transitioned into that. So that team became that. Yeah.
1: So and it, as a guy that I've, you know, the grassroots pavement sprints, the, that's not my background in racing, mm-hmm. but, but I know that that's a legendary name, right? Yes. That's, going back to, well, I mean, or Jeff Gordon, as
4: a kid, if you had told me when I was, you know, 25 years old, you'd be Bob's personal guy working on all those personal cars, I would have told you you're crazy. Yeah. You know, because I mean, I just never would have thought that would have been possible or even like, it's the first name you'd name. right? Yeah. I mean, I mean it, well, just I mean, I almost look at Bob right now, the relationship we have. He's been like a second father to me. So and his,
1: his logo is still on your car. Yes.
4: Yeah, yeah He's uh, he's been such a great mentor to me in my career and uh, just any questions I've ever had or helped me through stuff. He's been there for me.
1: So. You've transitioned from that now to you and your family are running your own operation from from uh, Riley Road here in Newcastle.
4: Yeah, so we uh, I worked for Bob for three years, and then um, kind of I'd met my wife in the process, and we were kind of you know looking at the future and stuff like that. And I just the the racing scene around Indiana is not like like the guys on the Outlaws, or they've all got big time sponsors, and you know it's a little easier to make money and have uh, have multiple crew guys were like the Indiana is kind of a lot of mom and pop deals and locals. stuff like, yeah, locals. And mean, there's a couple of big deals. And like back in the early two thousands, I mean, TSR had two teams, case Kane had two teams. And then kind of, you know, after 2010, all those started drying up. So it was just, then a lot of guys started owning their own cars. So really they were, you know, working on them themselves pretty much. So, for me, looking at it on a long-term plan, I just didn't really see a whole lot. You know, if I wanted to buy a house and cars and have kids, it just wasn't wasn't quite there. So there was an opportunity for me to go back to my dad's machine shop. So, and, you, so you were doing that full time? Yeah, yeah, it, that was yeah. And, my and job. I mean, when I worked for Damien, I probably ran. I think I ran once that year at the end of the year. And then when I worked for Bob, I probably maybe got you know five to seven races in each year when we were doing when I was working for him. So then, and then we come back in. Uh, after I started working back out the machine shop, we kind of built the sprint car stuff back up and started running it quite a bit. I think in the year before my son was born, I think we ended up running like almost fifty five races that year. So, so that's busy. Yeah, that's that's hopping. yeah, yeah. That's why my wife told me she's kind of get it out of the way before the baby comes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so th- that happens, but then then you transition over into into those into the. Uh, to the silver crown series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is not, I mean, th- that's in some ways the, it's the pinnacle view sack.
4: Mm-hmm. I mean, right? it's definitely, I mean, I can tell you the exact moment where I got hooked on racing was, I was like 70 years old. And my dad took me to the Hoosier hundred and it all qualifying got rained out. So they end up starting like 42 cars And night. The second I heard all those cars go down the front stretch at the end of mile, that's when I was hooked. I mean, I can, I can, I can still remember that. Sound in my head.
1: So the moment I, it, it was a dirt track racer that actually was the first person that got me hooked as well. And I didn't even get to see him race. But the the story of it, there's a guy a uh, 410 wing sprint car driver from New York State. Uh, mm-hmm. Turned out to be my uncle's cousin. A guy named Adrian Flath. So if you Google that name, you'll find pictures of him. And there's a, uh, one of the, one of these groups that uh, that writes books about racers. Zach's going to know it off the top of his head, probably. But they're, it, they're they re-
3: like the Floyd Clymer yearbooks
1: or something. No, 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 no. It's a books. they write bios. But oh, okay. it, anyway, there's a there's a special story about him. I googled him. So I'm like, I wonder if he actually was relevant or not because I first time I would met the guy, mm-hmm. uh, and I had the hero card. I popped his name in, and two seconds later, the hero card that I had for, in 1992 popped up. I'm like, well, damn, that was pretty cool. Uh, but a guy named Adrian Flath. That was my first. That was my first connection. Mm-hmm. And then I think, I don't know if we went to see him or we went to a dirt track when I was seven or eight up at Frogtown in New York State. Same deal, though. You hear the cars for the first time, and I'm in. Yeah. So, but You hear those I, VAs at, go down the street. At eight later. years old, I couldn't get my dad to take me to uh, to the racetrack all the time. So I had ESPN, so I got hooked on what I could see. Mm-hmm.
4: And you were probably still around Thursday Night yeah. at Thunder at that point. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the time, I was,
1: yeah. It was a perfect time to have been aware or see that.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And that's right as Jeff Gordon is coming out of yeah, out of that and has, has moved south, mm-hmm.
4: and that's what's cool too. Like Bob was actually all those like Jeff Gordon, Tony Stewart, Case Kane. He was their mentor when they when they were in USAC. So it was it was cool just to be able to work with him from that standpoint too. So
1: you guys made the decision to to buy a a Silver Crown car or acquired it. It's not yeah. it's not your sprint car.
4: No, no. So we uh, kind of we were at the little 500 and I was helping Bob in 2017 and me and dad were kind of just talking, you know, Hey, you know, there's something we'd always wanted to do because the Hoosier hundred was meant so near and dear to my heart about them just being a special race in general, just growing up there at the fairgrounds and racing off turn two and stuff. So that was kind of the plan. Originally we, we, we got a dirt car off of Bob and that's what we were going to do. We were just going to run the dirt stuff. And then, uh, I had a friend that had a pavement car and, uh, He kinda we were talking back and forth and we were talking about renting it and then he kinda made us a deal we couldn't refuse. So then we ended up here we go, we're gonna run the whole deal. So and uh and that wasn't that the payment card deal came together real late, so I think the first race was in Phoenix at the maybe the first part of April and we didn't get that car till like the end of February. So and it was I mean, it was pretty much ready to go. We didn't do a whole lot to it, but uh Going to Phoenix International for your first Silver Crown race was a pretty wide-eyed-opening <laughs> experience. After, uh, I hadn't probably because I hadn't ran pavement since 05, and I was in a focus car that had 180 horsepower, and so now you're going in a Crown car. It's the only of- races that I've been
2: to around here have been Mount Lawn and Anderson. Mm-hmm. My wife and I used to go to Anderson a lot back when we were dating. Um, tell me what the difference is between a USAC race and something that I'd just go watch on a Saturday
4: night in Anderson? Um, I guess I'd say, maybe say it's a little bit more, more professional. I mean, there's actually, I mean, most of those guys that are on USAC full time that are winning races, and win championships are racing for a living. I mean, that's, okay. that's, that's all they do. That's what they, they put you're on approaching
2: table. professional levels.
4: Yes. I mean, Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, you would consider them professionals. That's what they're okay. doing for their, I mean, they're not, they don't have any other jobs. That's, that's how they support their family.
1: So, but you're doing this balance you're 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 in this series Mm -hmm. but you're also working full-time right so that's 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 one of the things i think is interesting about your situation is that you guys you're running a you know in the highest level of usac but you're working out of a a, a two-car garage on a Mm -hmm. suburban street in indiana with a with a hauler sitting a semi hauler yeah uh sitting sitting in the driveway yeah and you're working full-time and you're you're making the haul to Pennsylvania or wherever else to run.
4: And that's what, I mean, that's what kind of the silver crown series worked out a little bit better than the sprint car stuff. Just cause like I, like I said, the sprint car stuff, to f- I feel like to be competitive, you definitely have to run over fifty, sixty races a year just to be in the ballpark. You know, you could show up and make the show, but realistically you're probably not going to have a shot to win just cause those guys are so on top of their game where the silver crown stuff, it's 12 races a year. It's kind of spread out. You know, you got time to, do the maintenance and stuff on the cars. And this, there's the this style of racing just suits me a lot better, I guess. I don't know. I fell in love with it as soon as we started doing it.
2: If so, you're doing 60, 70, 80, or sometimes 80 races a year, then I would imagine your cars getting pretty beat up.
4: Yeah. And, I mean, a lot of those guys that are racing for a living, they've got, you know, two or three cars in rotation. Okay. So they're, they're constantly switching out parts. And, you know, that's like, like at Damien's, we had a log of – know every rear end every steering gear every motor and x amount of races it came out when got refreshed not a hobby no it's it's full i mean like damien's deal it was a full-blown 53 foot semi stacker where we carried a spare card every race and you know we bought you know 1500 tires a week wow
5: okay
1: so I, I just to paint the picture on the silver crown series for folks that just have a, a passing knowledge some of the past champions of the series are dave blaney Gary Bentonhausen, Jack Hewitt, Jeff Gordon, Tony Stewart, Ryan Newman, Cody Swanson, A. J. Foyt, Mario Andretti. Like the the list mm-hmm. going back to the last forty years that, is the who's who.
4: Yeah, that was I mean, pretty much the the, the ticket to get you to the five hundred back in the day. Right. So, I mean, that's why you still see like Foyt and Mario and all those guys that It you know they'd still run the Hoosier Hundred or any of those races and then still run then run the five hundred along with it.
1: So in this I don't this schedule for the for the current year for twenty twenty one as we're getting into it Mm -hmm. has a lot of incredibly local Indiana or regional races, Mm -hmm. but it does travel. It's not always the same. You don't have the same dates, same places every year.
4: Yeah, and last year I was really bummed that COVID kind of screwed everything up. I mean it's kind of out of our hands, but we were supposed to go to Nashville. That was gonna be real cool. We were gonna get around Gateway. And uh St. Louis area. Yeah, I have uh I'd been there to see the crown cars once and it was it was pretty insane to see them go down the straightaway there, as big as that place is. So for
1: locals here that want to see uh see some, some races that you'll be in, uh Winchester is your first race mm-hmm. in yeah. April. Uh May, so, no, is it May is 9th? It, is it May? Okay. Yep. Uh Lucas Oil Raceway, which is Ohio IRP. O'Reilly Raceway, IRP yeah. out <laughs> on the west side of Indianapolis. Those are both pavement. Mm-hmm. Winchester's high banked, IRP is a little bit a yeah. little bit flatter. Uh, and then the Indiana State Fair, which has been eliminated like three times, but you're going to run there again.
4: Yeah. So this is, I think, the third annual last two hundred. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah, because it was I think it was two years ago that they told us that the, the the fairgrounds and the horse people had struck a deal to for some reason put limestone on it because they felt like it was going to be better for the horses. So then we ran the last one. And then last year wasn't even on the schedule and kind of when all the pandemic happened because we didn't even get to run a crown race till August. So, but the, I, from what I heard, the fairgrounds actually reached out to USAC because, you know, they were shut down and they really didn't have any looking for something. Yeah. They didn't have anything coming in cause there's no shows. There's no anything. So supposedly the fairgrounds actually reached out cause they hadn't, it was supposed to be a collaboration between the casino and the, the state fair board. Cause I guess that's where the, the horse, all the racing horses are kept there at the fairgrounds that they were going to put all that or pay for that limestone to be put on. And, uh, they said, you know, hey, we'll we'll do it again, and then they were in up. This is supposedly the last one. Might have to come this time.
1: It's yeah. and this will be in the month of May. Is that correct? Yes, no, it's, it's, it's like it's the week of the, the Indy Five Hundred Thursday. Th- I, think, I think I looked. At it. it was a Thursday before the Indy Five Hundred yes. this year. So Zach, are you in? Are you in? Is it plausible? I might. We yeah. might. We might That's not do the podcast that that week, and we'll go over from the
6: campground.
3: That's my lazy day from the track. But yeah, we'll try.
4: We can All get right. you guys some pit passes.
6: See, we're in. Hey, I never get pit
3: passes. <laughs> Yeah,
1: i think we might have to go might have to go all right and then uh kevin can't go because he'll be camping he's off here in the distance and he's you're not invited you're 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 down
2: you're down in cincinnati camp jeremiah has you have seven dirt and five payment races
4: mm-hmm. yep eldora which, we didn't mention you... eldora
2: or either one of the other big crown jewel dirt
4: yeah dirt well actually we we're in eldora right? twice so the first one's in June, and it's with uh, Stewart and Everham's new series. The so, SR8. Something. Yeah, whatever, PS4. the SRX. But actually, the fun thing about that weekend is actually the night before we get to run the pavement car in Madison, Wisconsin. So we'll run the pavement car in Madison, Wisconsin on Friday, drive all the way, which is like six, seven hours away from here, drive home, unload the pavement car, unload all the pavement stuff, load up all the dirt stuff, load up the dirt car, and then head to Eldora the next day. My question was, which which is
2: your favorite? Like out of a pure just enjoyment, I really like doing this.
4: The enjoyment running the dirt car on the miles, the okay. like indie Springfield and coin. That's by far the funnest. Now, the pavement since I've got back into it is from a challenge standpoint. I like it way more because I've actually. It's the dirt stuff. I wouldn't say I've, I had it down, but it just came natural to me because of what I did for so long. It's an incredibly different style in the, yeah. in the
1: dirt. You're running sideways, and when you're in when you're running asphalt, that you sent me a GoPro video. Yeah, I think at
4: uh, Winchester Salem. or Salem, mm-hmm.
1: and it's just insanity.
4: Yeah, and I mean the pavement cars are just so much more stuck, and they're two totally different cars. I mean, the dirt car sits up a lot higher. It's four torsion bars, doesn't have a coil on it, where the pavement cars sucked to the ground it's got four coils it's you know it's they're both purposely built race cars same series two different cars yeah i mean bob used to build a combo car back in the day but pretty much anybody now that runs the full deal has a dirt and a pavement car so let's
1: talk about it what's it's a family run operated team Mm -hmm. you guys roll out and you're doing a a race that's pretend like you were going to go to st louis Mm -hmm. how many people are going so what's, what's,
4: what's it look like? So me and my dad, obviously. And then, um, Ingram, Newcastle guy, he's uh he spots for me because all the silver crown races, it's mandatory. You have a spotter. So, uh, he's, he's kind of stepped up in that role and it's been nice to have somebody that's consistent there all the time. And he's been to every single one since we started back in 2018. And then, uh, I got a buddy. I, I kind of met through racing back when we ran sprint cars. His name's Tyler. Hewitt. he comes and helps when he can. He, he, I think he, pretty much got to come to all of them, but one or one of them last year. But, uh, so really it's just, us. Uh, so my wife comes sometimes depending on scheduling and stuff like that. Cause sometimes they're on Fridays or Sundays and she likes to be home from work and stuff.
1: All right. So then what's, do you have sponsors to thank? If we have yeah. racers in here, we have to yeah. talk about who, how, how you I actually mean, get on the track and how you make it happen. Yeah.
4: So we, uh, we have a lot of product sponsors, uh, uh, Willwood Breaks, uh, Evan Jackson, he does all our engines. He's up in Gaston, kind of a local guy, but uh he's really smart and he's uh, he's built us a lot of good engines. Um obviously Bob East, he's uh he's been so valuable to my career and everything, just not only from the Silver Crown side, but just you know, especially when at the point in my career when I worked for him, it was kinda like I'd learned all the stuff about how, you know, how to build a good car, how to build, you know, sound pieces and the right equipment, stuff like that where when I was with him, I actually got to learn more of the setup sides side of it. Cause he'd done it for so long. Any question I had is kind of like been there, done that. Uh, here's my angle on it. You know, yeah, we can try this. We can try that. And it was just a plethora of knowledge to, to gain from him. So what's it look like?
1: You've got a, you've got a two car garage where you've thrown everything out of it, but the race car. Yeah, I'm sure. So
4: really it's two car, but then in the winter it's, it goes down to like one and a half. Cause my mom wants to park her car. She garage. wants to get the car inside. So you've got,
1: you've got, two race cars and, and
4: countless motors. What? What's no. So like each car has got a motor and then we've got a spare motor from when we originally bought the pavement car. We took that, we kind of, the second year we had the pavement car, we kind of built it up and kind of went through it. Cause really, like I think I told you it was, I think I traced it back. It's like a 2002. So it's, it's probably almost like a vintage race car <laughs> at this point, but it, uh, it needed some updates, like we threw a new rear end in it and steering gear and stuff like that. So uh, and it had an older motor in it, so we kind of kept that aside for our spare, and updated that program side of it. So
1: and I cut you off; you didn't mention the the big name that's on the side of it.
4: Magna Machine Tool. Magna
1: Machine and Tool, Henry yeah. County.
4: Yeah. So uh, it's uh I I've it's been cool to come back in the machine shop since I got there because before when we were growing up racing I I knew how to weld. I took vocational school here at Newcastle, figured all that out, and I always kind of felt like, well, if I ever wanted to pick up a machine. Dad would always show me how to do it. And since I've come back in machining now, it's it's kind of cool because I can be a lot more creative. And, you know, if I like the pavement car, I could never find somebody that made a bracket to bring the steering gear closer to me. So I'm like, well, you know, we got some scrap aluminum out there. I'll, you know, draw something up and figure out how to make it and made my own uh, steering bracket for that. And I've made a couple other parts for the dirt car and stuff. So it's cool to, you know, take some from them from pen and paper and put it into reality. So the, are you
1: selling these out of the back of the truck to everybody else now? No, yeah, I'm just making. Or, for or these myself. are your competitive yeah, advantage? No,
4: this is, this is
6: stuff I'm just doing for myself. You have made parts for other manufacturers. To, um, to
5: well, specs.
4: we just uh, we just finished up a run for actually the Silver crown cars were in a clutch, so uh, and Tilton used to do all the clutch stuff. Well, Bob kind of bought all them all the stuff out from them because they didn't want to handle it anymore. Well, he needed he was down to his last casting, but to get around a castings made, he's got to have X amount and he didn't want to pay to have X amount of castings made. So we just ended up making some billet housings for him for his clutch housing. So
1: the cutting tool salesman just walked in the door here too. So he's the whole supply chain has arrived for, for the USAC series.
4: <laughs> <laughs> he says he's got to call on y'all tomorrow. <laughs>
6: And they're machining some blocks out there for uh, not, not for sprint No, cars, yeah, racing. for uh,
4: drag racing. Yeah, there's a guy Kent Redder out of New York. Uh, he has small block Mopars that we're doing all the rough machining on for those too.
1: So how many how many teams are there in this in in the in the Silver Crown series? Is, so, it, is like, it everybody? You know, same people show up at all twelve races?
4: No. So you got there's like there's a there's a group of guys that just have dirt cars, and there's a couple guys that just have pavement cars. There's probably uh, I'd probably say. 15 to 20 maybe that have both but don't like there's probably a solid 15 that run the whole deal so but every race you'll probably have 20 yeah and actually i mean like so since it's kind of they've kind of had to build it back up from when they had the gold crown deal and then they kind of had another uh drop in car count when they kind of changed the fuel up a little bit it kind of hurts cars but they've uh since we started, I think the first year the pavement car count was like anywhere between like 15 and 18. Last year we were up around like 22 to 25. So I know the first time last year was the first time Bob built a couple new pavement silver ground cars in like seven, eight years. So we
2: have we talk about on the show quite often that um, this show for, for it pays a lot for itself. Mm-hmm. It, it would totally pay for itself if everyone listening to this right now would go to <laughs> patreon.com slash boss hog liberty.
6: If your electric bills were cheaper, yeah.
2: uh, I keep writing notes to the landlord. <laughs> 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 what, what what does it take uh, for a racing team like you have mm-hmm. to
4: pay for itself? I mean, the silver ground races, uh, uh, by far is from USAC's purse standpoint, they pay the best. That pays like. I think it pays like eight fifty to start, and it's like the miles are all ten grand to win, and the half miles are like eight. So if you run good, I think if you run in the top ten, it's like a thousand to twelve hundred. So by then, almost by you're, then, you're
1: getting close to paying for your rig's fuel to well, get to um, the track.
4: Yeah, you're probably. I mean, like if you finish in the top ten, you're probably covering your tires and your fuel because yeah, I think that when you fill that thing up in the back with seventy-five gallons of methanol, that's probably about three hundred fifty bucks. So you got you got to, you got to fuel the you, you, you've got a lot of expenses right mm-hmm. yeah
1: you guys have to eat you've got either you're staying in the truck or you're you're in and out in the day but mm-hmm. you've got truck fuel you've got repairs you've got the the costs just for that series alone are just incredible to
4: me yeah well i mean it's not i mean like you said it's only 12 races so like the guys that are running 60 70 sprinter races are probably spending you know three times what we're spending but uh and it's it's not i mean it's it kind of stinks cuz you know, we do have to go to, you know, Madison, Wisconsin for one race and come back or, you know, go to Phoenix for one race and come back. But they it's the Silver Crown series always has this like, I don't know, feel to it. It's all they're all big events, you know, and that's that's another thing I like about the Silver Crown series is it, it doesn't just feel like, yeah, OK, I'm going up to Cassidy on Friday or I'm going to Anderson on Saturday. You know, it's like, you know, this is the Hoosier 100, you know, yeah. before this was like the one race that rivaled Indy 500 as far as pay, you know. But when we went to Memphis, it was a two day deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, All yeah, we and... went. Yeah, we went. And it was they gave us one day to practice, and then we it were... the little Memphis half tr- half uh, uh, half n- mile. No, it's the big dirt. track. The the run NASCAR. Yeah, out. the NASCAR truck ran there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So
2: back to whenever we were talking about like the quarter midgets and things, mm-hmm. we were talking about how hard it was to compete against people who. Uh, If you were a person who just sunk twenty five hundred dollars into this to get your kid a a good fun hobby to do, Mm -hmm. versus a person that had a lot of money to blow and was spending ten to fifteen thousand dollars, is that something that you experience in the Silver Crown series? Uh,
4: I mean, it's all. I mean, it's also all what you do with it too. You know, the the. You mean you could have best stuff money you can buy but if you don't know how to set it up or take care of your equipment and stuff like that it doesn't mean anything so that's where i kind of i feel very grateful that i've been able to work with the people i got to work with and learn the knowledge that i did that i can apply that to my race team now and uh and you know try to get the best results we can i think dakota is thinking about jackson
1: <laughs> I, this is, this is, these are the questions you put him in one of those and it turns i had out a he's lot fast. of fun drag thing, you know, racing
2: on jeremiah's wedding day or go-kart
1: we were racing go-kart racing, yeah, yeah. He's so new. We literally starting with Dakota from the very beginning here.
4: Okay, he's. I mean, is, he, he
1: literally looked at the table and said, "Is that a tire or a wheel <laughs> sitting on the table?" It'll do. No, it.
2: I didn't. I said, "That's a tire," and I went, "No, that's a wheel." We probably, no, you that's you get, we probably
4: need to get him to a dirt race before we get him to a pavement race. Uh how far? How know. far away
1: can your permission slip take you? Can you get to the Indiana State Fairgrounds? Permission slip. Uh,
2: you got to abandon Audrey and Jackson at home. Uh, it, I was just thinking about. I had a hell of a lot of fun racing go-karts by Flying J.
4: I just all I want to do is That's do that called, again. That's I called mean, Newcastle Motor Probably Park. if you're if you're going to take him to his first race, it'd probably better take him to Eldora cuz that'd be well, Right do that be, he that'd be really
2: remember anything. It would be
4: an eye-opening experience. We're talking about you, oh. talking about you yeah,
3: or Jackson. You. Yeah, you. Oh, okay. Eldora is a great time. fun. It's a fun place. Well, they
2: voted
4: Dakota I mean, <laughs> we're going to ohio and it's close it's probably as close as the state fairgrounds i hear rumors <laughs> of a
6: pavement sprint car is there any truth uh, to that rumor
4: well uh maybe possibly well that's a firm no so, comment mike so
6: there'd be an anderson race for you too
4: yeah they've uh they've actually they've done a really good job the guy that, Ander, that owns anderson and casey kohler that is the manager of uh, irp done a really good job about trying to bring pavement racing back because they're in I think USAC was still doing it in the early 2010s, and then it kind of just, the interest in it lost it, and they felt like the cost was getting too high, so they just kind of squelched the midgets, squelched the sprint cars, and it kind of really, the only pavement sprint car non-wing race around here was the little 500 that kind of kept that alive. And the last couple of years, I think they've even had to bump people out at the little 500. Uh,
2: Anderson used to have uh, school buses. What well, you got to do to be one of those guys? Do. Yeah. <laughs> Just, well, carry your balls around in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> Speaking
1: of Anderson, and it makes me think of the. I, do you guys have any any sort of reality TV vlogging going on? I know the F1 guys um, have got the. the so like, succeed. Anderson had the uh, the, the, uh, the the HBO, HBO yes, special. I, I d- think. Is there anybody following the Silver Crown so series since, around, like uh, in Dirty
4: Driving? Uh, since uh, since USAC hooked up with Flow, and I know you said you watch quite a bit on Kev- Flow. Kevin over here is yeah, Mr. Flow Racing. I, I, I steal his signal. I would preach to anybody for 150 bucks. It's the best bargain you can have. You can Especially since it's now they've got all three USAC series. They've got the All-Stars. They've got, I think, the ASCS 360 series, and let alone all. There's a couple of local PA tracks. I mean, I think it figured it up last year for all the races. It was ended up being like. Almost fifty cents a race or something.
1: We we turned on flow and i Kevin's
4: watching stuff
1: from towns in California, Temecula, California or something. Just uh, do you remember? Uh, <laughs> you must see racing at
4: uh, Bristol. Uh, I, I I've seen YouTube clips of it. Yeah, that was cool. yeah. <laughs> 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 those guys have balls.
3: <laughs> I was talking about the haves and the have nots, and the interesting thing is Eldora is that they run now. for fork on they run World of Outlaws Friday night and then Saturday night they run the other they run the three USAC series and they all roll in Saturday, but they're not allowed in at a certain time. So you get to see all their rigs outside, like lined up because they line up in the campground and it's everything from, I don't think there's anybody that runs open trailers that I've seen, but just like a trailer that you can tell that they've been using since like 1985 and the truck matches. And then here comes Casey Kane racing. That's got a full semi that looks, it would fit in at a NASCAR race mm-hmm. and, or, and somebody, I don't know who runs Toyota, but there'll be a Toyota rig and they're like, the rig is worth more than probably what some of the guys budgets are but they're all competitive when it comes out usually it's you know those guys aren't necessarily dominating um i keep i keep driving by Kyle's race shop and i know there's big money over there cuz there's <laughs> concrete
1: work constantly. constantly every every time i look there's yeah. there's a bigger truck it's, and there's more concrete yeah, it's work trying and, trying
6: and that, to get it in there is the problem and that two car garage isn't really a two car garage it goes back there a long yeah. way we
4: just added they actually we last year we added Another bay back. I was wondering so, if somebody
1: got a patio. Well, yeah, mom, guys, mom got yeah, her patio, and
4: dad got another bay in the garage. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, no. Speaking of open trailers, Thank God actually, don't live
1: in, in, in Henry Township, and you're in the city limits because Comrade Darren Jacobs would be all over you. Well, guys yeah, I'm surprised Marshall we haven't gotten in trouble for there. that uh,
4: that no semi sign on Riley Road. <laughs> so it's a local it, delivery. Yeah. I think you're exempt. Yeah, but speaking of open trailers, there's actually a guy from Iowa named Robert Bell that tows out to almost all USAC races on an open trailer. He's just a good old boy. And like he all I mean, he comes and you know, maybe doesn't make sure or whatever, but he doesn't care. He's just living life. And I think, I don't know if it's on flow or there's a, there's a, there's a, or maybe Jack slash. There's a clip of him where he, he drove from Iowa with an open trailer car on it to Florida to race. And like, he was, he said he was like 80 miles from the track or whatever. And his, his radiator hose blew in his truck. He's like, man. He's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, so I got to get to the track somehow. So he said he was looking in the back of his truck, and he said, oh, he saw his jack handle there. And he said, oh, I got a couple hose clamps. He sawed off the end of his <laughs> jack handle, put it as a splice in his radiator hose. <laughs> hose clamped it off and made it to the track.
1: He got there. Yep, that's hilarious. Ingenuity, man.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, we'll wrap up the uh, we'll wrap up our racing talk here tonight with. Uh, Everybody wants to be a dirt racer now.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: NASCAR, the uh, the the Winston Nextel Cup Series, brought to you by Sprint and Xfinity, <laughs> along with Budweiser and Bush Beer. Uh, they're going to do the Bristol Cup race on dirt. Mm-hmm. Is anybody other than Kyle Larson or or
4: <laughs> Bell going to win this race? I mean. I'd say it'd be hard to bet against them, <laughs> against them, but uh, because they both won I mean, races but this like, year. On like on... the thing about the truck races, I mean, yeah, Bell and Larson won it, but the couple of years the guys that have won it haven't even been dirt guys. Like Bubba Wallace won it, and he said he didn't have a lick of dirt experience. You know when he did, yeah. it. and it's so drastically different. From what those types of cars are to purpose built, you know, sprint cars, dirt late models and stuff. And because I think they were testing, you know, full blown super late models there the other night and they were like only like a half a second off the cup cars. And that was late model. I'm I'm pretty interested to see how fast the sprint cars go there. Be, so
1: they're gonna. It's it, it, they're putting the dirt in for that, but everybody's gonna run. They're gonna run sprint cars. They're going. So yeah, track.
4: I'm not sure if the sprint cars run supposed to run the weeks before or the week after, but they they're in the, the late the world allows late models and the world allows sprint cars down there too. You going, Mike? Yeah. No, I've been to Bristol, but not not for I that.
6: Want to see a dirt race?
4: Danny
1: Danny's in the back row. D- Danny Morrill has made the grand reappearance for the first time in the studio in like a year. Well, I didn't play basketball, no. You know basketball tonight? Yeah. What's um, they already have yes, yeah already asked asked if they're putting dirt down on the track I'm trying to listen to you so <laughs> he tells me how, I look
4: ridiculous well like they did it before because they ran the outlaws there in like 2002 yeah. and I, I don't I don't know actually how deep I know they said that that' it's, it's not actually banked what the what that concrete track is okay. they've actually it's still I mean it's still really banked I mean I listened I think it was like Brandon Shepherd he said you know is was... Yeah, you know, it's still you know crazy banked, but cool. it's not 30 But, but I think you know, I saw like when is. they yeah, when they when they put it down, they put some type of like sawdust based on it. So I don't know if that was to help with just removal or whatever, but I'm not ex- actually sure how deep they put the dirt. That's some
5: aggressive
4: engineering to figure that out. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think they did it back in 2002, so they aggressive probably got a lot more tools than
1: they did now. We we have our first live Q&A on a podcast, that's right. We got
2: a studio audience and they just keep
4: firing There's not even a in.
2: Patreon member. No, no, that's weird. If you're a Patreon member, then we promise to answer all your questions <laughs> in the live stream as the show goes on.
1: He is a staff member. A, a emeritus. Uh, used to be. Zach, what uh, what do you think is going to happen at Bristol in the cup race?
3: It's going to be carnage. It'll be like watching the road course races, which I like. I'm not a huge NASCAR fan because generally I have better things to do with four hours of my day. <laughs> but I will watch the road course race. And the last one, I think I turned it on with like 10 laps to go. And I was like, this is perfection. 11 laps to go. And I watched the end of the but well, they did. They did do the Bud Shoot. I not. The, it's not the Bud Shoot anymore. The, whatever, yeah, the, the the Bush Clash. The Bush Clash now. Was, and but I saw that one. That I, was on the Daytona I Road saw, Course. Yeah, I saw those guys handed off to a shrub um, for the win, and then I watched the end of the the other one that they just did. So yeah, but it'll be it'll be chaos because some of those guys know what they're doing. But in, in Larson's better. Though those guys better hope they get on the pole and that they're not in a scrum.
4: Well, I don't know if they're gonna. I don't. I guess I don't know are if they're, they're qualifying they, they, or not. Yeah, qualify. yeah, I think that's one of the races they qualify in practice. Or no, they said they said the other day they released a format. I think they're gonna do heat races.
3: I was gonna say they need to do the full yeah. format of heat races. And because are they gonna? They can't. They can't run forty three on dirt on that track, can they? Yeah. No.
4: They said they're gonna do they're a full field. And I, supposedly, I heard it was It'd supposed be to be like two hundred and fifty laps. Which would be insane. You, It'd probably be rubbered up by the end of that. So. Cue the circus music. Because <laughs> that's
3: what it'll be. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see, like, it's dirt races, it's interesting to see, like, it's dirt, you think, and there's a cushion, which is kind of hard to describe to somebody. Yeah, it, it, but
4: it's going to be totally different but, for
3: those guys. But you see it by the end of the race, and it'll be shiny and black because they're laying rubber down on it. Yeah. And or, you're like, what is or, this?
6: Where all the dirt will be gone. And then <laughs> we back they'll to They'll asphalt. be changing to pavement tires. yeah. yeah.
1: it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Very very interesting. Uh, the one thing that the cup series and NASCAR has done in the last year is they've said, we're going to try to be diverse and versatile, which is something I think, which is one of the greatest things that you guys have going for you in this Mm -hmm. silver crowns is that you're running the same style of car, Mm -hmm. two totally different track surfaces. NASCAR cup is now going to run six or seven road course races they're working in dirt. They're mm-hmm. running their traditional races. I, I think that's going to encourage cross discipline racing.
4: Yes, um, and I think there's I mean, Chris Wyndham's Silver Crown guy. He got a cup ride. Yep, and I think there's a, a kid out of California named Shane galbic He got another. Cu- I think he's running for Rick Ware. Maybe I think. I think. Yeah. I think.
1: I think they both maybe. Yeah, uh, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. And I'm Facebook friends with Chris,
4: so I'm very excited about that.
1: Yeah, that, that was because uh, he ran the Hoosier Hundred. Yeah, he's a past day. Silver Crown champion too. Yeah. So, all right. So are you going to run anything else? Are you going to get in an Indy car? I know Cody nah, Swanson's gotten to nah, do this, yeah. the Indy Lights that, car. That last guy
4: should have got an opportunity a long time ago. He is, he is truly amazing what that guy does behind a wheel. Did you get his I, autograph yet? Uh, no, <laughs> since we've had my kid, he's got, he's got two young boys too. So we've yeah. kind of, we've gotten to hang out a little bit more and stuff. And actually the first year he was very helpful with me. Like all the new places like Phoenix and any of the dirt miles, he kind of came up and just said, Hey, you know, you got any questions? Don't, don't hesitate to come ask me or kind of said, Hey, you know, watch out for this. Don't do this. And just, just a uh, very, very good stuff that, you know, jumping into it for the first time you would you'd want, hopefully somebody would tell you.
1: So you guys are a traveling community and you, you look after each other as mm-hmm. needed. I was Kevin's real tight. Uh, Kevin off in the distance over here is real tight with Keith Jones and, and the Jones family. And I, they went out to the chili bowl this last, this uh, two months ago, mm-hmm. their engine broke done. They couldn't find a replacement. Yeah. Something breaks in your series. Are you guys s o l or are you borrowing parts off each other's trucks how How does um, that work
4: i mean there's we all kind of try to pitch in if somebody needs something or you know if it's you know dire need or whatever but uh the way we try to kind of run our deal i like I like to be prepared and that's the way I was kind of you know way I learned everything was if you go there you know if you've got the opportunity to have spares and stuff, have them ready and we actually there at the last race at Springfield, we still had a shot at the championship this year, and uh a couple. We made one run in practice, and I think we were like sixth or seventh quick. Felt really good about the car, and went out with about ten minutes left, and the motor went boom. So that wasn't good. And uh, changing a Silver Crown motor is about like changing a Midget motor. It's there's no quick way about it because nothing's self contained. All the oil lines are you know outside the car and stuff like that. So we ended up we got it changed in time, but it, the car was missing like about half the body panels, and they were they were getting ready to about. You give the command to start engines, and we hadn't put but 10 gallons of fuel in, so we still had about 60 gallons left to put in it. So we made it, and I think we ended up starting 28th or something back there in the back, and uh, we were up to like 16th, and I just made an error and kind of folded the front axle under. How important are the body panels on one of those? Um, the mile actually... I don't know if, I mean, I don't really know how much arrow is that important, but it, uh, I know definitely at the bigger pavement tracks, if you don't have a sun visor, your helmet will almost try to rip off your head. Yeah. Crazy times, man. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. We are at the point in the show where we start to, uh, start to wrap it up, do final thoughts. I guess we can take any last minute questions from the, uh, from the studio audience that, uh, that's developed producer Zach. I I think your mom sent you a note of something you're supposed to be doing. Yes, she harassed, she she hunted me down, and I said we're going to have Zach do this.
3: Yeah, so there is going to be a virtual meeting on the 16th uh, at 6 p.m. discussing the uh, districting uh, or redistricting. Um, So it's anybody that's in the community is talking
1: about congressional
3: districts, uh, yeah, uh, local districts, yeah, redistricting, yeah. So. Um, if you're interested in that, uh, and doing that, it's like I said, it's a virtual thing, uh, check with Beverly Matthews or Nate Lamar and they both have, uh, agreed to like share that information, uh, with their prospective uh, parties. And so, um, check with that if you want to do that. And like I said, that'll be the 16th at 6 PM. Anything
1: racing related to We missed you need to cover.
3: No, I mean, it's like, it's just, it's fascinating to see those cars, and then if you, like, Dakota probably get lost, but, like, the technical part of them, and then um I've seen sprint cars at Winchester, and they're, like, on fast forward. It's the most bizarre thing ever, and it's kind of an odd thing to get, you get in the technicality of them, because are the Silver
4: Crowns, like, 360s? Yeah, so, sprint cars are all 410s, Silver Crowns are still box 360s.
3: Yeah, and so, like, the sprint cars are, like, in the middle on size, but they have, like, The most obnoxious horse, like you see the horse, you're like this isn't right. They shouldn't be doing that. But I bet they're an absolute riot. So, but they are like go to Eldora or something. It's they're all. It's fun to see them all stacked up because you kind of get an appreciation of what they're all capable of. But yeah, go see some racing. And then Eldora, you got if you sit in the turns, you have to wear goggles because you get dirty. Get
1: dirt in your beer. That happened to me at a Brickyard 400 where I wound up getting covered in tire rubber, and I never wanted to go back. That was a
3: different race. That was Good Year's. They sell Eldora sells (laughs) koozies that have a flap to cover the top of your beer. That's part of their merch, and like, yeah. So yeah, you go those races. Those are the most diehard fans ever.
1: Now I'm Mike's next up here, and I don't know what he wants to do to close, but you owe me a Kyle story because you promised it in the chat, saying that you were going to tell some stories about Kyle.
5: Yeah, I I know exactly what story this is.
6: (laughs) Uh, First, I want to say I've known Kyle since he was born, and really proud of what he's done. Glad to see him back at Magna Machine, and uh, but. They used to camp with us down at Madison, him and his family, his mom and dad. And, and uh, Kirk and I decided we were going to make a hog roaster. We borrowed one one year from the, the Moreland Fire Department and had all kinds of problems with it. So we decided to make one. And
1: Owning a machine shop, you can do we, that. We went of, all right? out
6: on it. And <laughs> Kyle came out one weekend to, to be with us. And I was Kirk probably and I, like four. Yeah, Kirk and I were working away and... We couldn't figure out where Kyle was, and he was down by his dad's horizontal mill, and he had the die grinder
4: wound up in his hair Oh
6: no! <laughs> and <laughs> pulled, pulled a chunk of his uh, head out, too, I think. so.
4: Yeah. But a- well, I'd saw my dad earlier that day. He had had the air hose on it and blew himself off. Well, I didn't know that he changed it out with a die grinder and <laughs> oh, no. uh, oh, grabbed God. it yeah. and... <clears throat>
6: So we were very fortunate. Oh, they, when- they
4: were on one end of the shop and I think my dad said he heard me scream and, uh, got down there and luckily it just ripped it out the roots. And I think when he got home that way, cause my mom, the reason I was out there, my mom was pregnant with my sister and, uh, he got home and was like, Hey, you know, Kyle I had a little accident and everything's fine. You know, don't worry about it. And my mom said she got up in the middle of the night and couldn't see. And then the next morning I came walking out of my room and. Turn around, pff, big old bald spot in the back of my head. <laughs> we were a little so bit of trouble
1: there. How, how does it look now? Is it? Is your it's Carolina all grown okay? back. Yeah, it, it, yeah.
4: There wasn't a permanent bald spot. Yeah.
1: Well, it'll, be, it'll come back in time. The
6: other thing important. I'm really glad about. We went to my wife and I went down to uh, Lawrenceburg to one of his races, and we got in. They were they were practicing, and we walked down the, the front row there, and my wife kept grabbing the back of her head and said, "What is that?" I said, "That's mud." <laughs> and i had a hard time getting her to go back to a dirt track for a long time but did get her to go up gas city once but once he switched to the pavement on the silver crown she enjoys going so we've uh enjoyed going to a couple pavement races and, and a fun time and then we were talking about the sprint cars anderson is just amazing because they have so much power i don't think they ever gained traction in
4: the top in the
6: Mm-hmm. entire straight. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just spinning the
4: whole way around. If you ever get the chance to see 33 Sprint Cards start at Anderson, that is yeah. a sight that you can't yeah. see anyplace else. I've, I've seen that. My problem is the damn day they run that race, Kyle. Because you, you've it's never been night, to the 8500 yeah, and I don't it's miss the it. the day before.
1: Well, it, the lifestyle I've led is that I have to get up at three in the morning to go get in yeah, line with but the idiots. Like,
4: like, if you realize what I do that week, like, we ran, like, used to, <laughs> used to back in the day when we were growing up, they ran pavement sprint cars at Anderson on Wednesday, USAC, they'd run USAC sprint cars at Terre Haute on Thursday, they'd run the Silver Crown cars Friday, then the night before the 500 mid-race would be at IRP, and you'd have the little 500 at Anderson. Yeah. And then, really, Mid-trace. like, you're all raced out by the time Sunday gets here, and you just want to listen to it on the radio. <laughs> Just want to
3: be done? I just sit and watch drunk people on Georgetown on Saturday night.
4: That's pretty fun too. Probably it's,
3: it's
1: entertaining. <laughs> all right. So if people want to watch, jump on the. uh If you got the show notes, the schedule is linked, so they can they can yeah, see all the races um, there. Go
4: to usac or usacracing.com dot <laughs> com, and uh, yeah, they've got all the schedules for. And like I said, if you're out anywhere, check out the midgets and sprint cars too. The midgets. Uh, the midgets put on an amazing show. There, uh, there's a lot of young kids in that group, and they, uh, they, they're pretty wild and crazy. And
1: I caught probably half the races this year with Kevin, either in a campsite or in his living room on flow. So mm.
4: they've done, he's, they've he's done real am- good at streaming. They've done an amazing job. They've, uh, they've really stepped up their streaming game and stuff like that, and all the content they're putting out. I know they're, they're trying to do a, a couple like shop interviews and stuff this winter, and just. They uh they keep up in their level. So USAC's doing are, a great are job. Are they
1: sending their crew over to Riley Road?
4: Uh, I don't know. I've talked to them a little bit about it. We like I said, we gotta get back to a two bay scenario before we have a <laughs> shop interview. So.
1: We gotta switch over my boat is in the wrong garage too. I gotta get from winter mode to summer mode, man. It's the mm-hmm. you gotta get your mom thrown out of there. Yeah,
4: yeah. Hopefully, well it looks like it's supposed to stay above forty degrees here, so yeah. I think it'll be okay. <laughs> Very good. Dakota Davis,
1: any more questions?
2: I have nothing. I have nothing for Kyle anyway. Uh I do wanna say that you know I made some stuff for Chris's wedding. He told me to bring it here. And this is our old producer, Mr. Chris Guffey. And yeah, you know, I'm just going to say that if he doesn't pick it up next week, then it's a fair game to anyone who wants it. I think what we should do is we should change the locks and just see how long it takes for him to
6: notice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just change the locks on the building. You had, me, a...
6: you had me turn around looking for Chris. I, I wouldn't recognize him <laughs> if I saw he him, I don't think. The centerpieces that I made for his
2: wedding is sitting in the studio and he also has some things that my wife made for his wedding sitting in the studio. And those were here like six weeks ago. Yeah. They've never been picked up. He, uh, he moved to Delaware County and it may as well have been Delaware. Cause we don't, we, he's gone. You said today in a Facebook post that he had new friends, but I didn't see any other friends at the bachelor party. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying
1: to be gentle for the, for the audience. I, I, he literally told me on Sunday. He was like, "Yeah, uh, Newcastle's a lot further away from Dillville than I thought it was." I'm like everybody so, told you that, dude. Yep. Everybody told you this is the way it was going to be. Goodbye Chris. forever. All right, that's enough of this. You guys are awesome. We appreciate uh, Kyle showing up, Mike taking his time, everybody, the studio audience that gathered. This was great. Uh, check out uh, check out the USAC Silver Crowns. Uh, on Flow Racing. We'll see y'all next week and we're going to probably talk some politics then.